Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast, everyone. I am your host, Austin, and got another episode for you guys, catching up with my good friend, Chris Blau of 1911 Syndicate. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not often in life, you know, you, you develop these friendships, these relationships with people where you can go months, weeks, you know, sometimes it's years, right, without talking to somebody. And the next time you talk with them, it's like you talk to them yesterday. You just pick right up where you left off. And uh, and Chris is just one of those, like, genuinely awesome dudes. Uh, we have a great relationship. Uh, consider him a true friend. And uh, just taking some time, you know, to catch up, see what he's been doing. He works with CGS Suppressors. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out CGS, I highly encourage you to look them up. They're doing some pretty cool stuff with <clears throat> suppressor technology, uh, more specifically Inconel, which is the material that the nose of the space shuttle is made out of. So it's pretty unique material, doing some pretty unique things with suppressors, uh, partnering with some different companies to <clears throat> to utilize their uh, QD systems and just expand how they can offer uh, their their products to a wider you know audience and. It's just a really smart way to do it, you know. Don't uh, don't reinvent the wheel. Just use somebody else's wheel. Uh, but at any rate, uh, you know, Chris is doing a lot. Uh, he had some projects going on recently with B and T and H and K through 1911 Syndicate. So we get into all of that because it's been a, it, just a crazy experience and a crazy amount of time and travel that he's been up to uh, over the last six months. It's been six months since I had him on, uh, which. So many things have happened here at the you know prepared mindset. We've had just so many guests on, and so many things have changed for uh, for us since the last time I had Chris on. So it's really cool to uh, get him on the pod, talk to him about I mean like uh, just a plethora of things. Right? Uh, we talk about suppressors, obviously life, uh, night vision, all, all kinds of different things, and just somebody I, I always enjoy having on, and I always look for opportunities to bring to bring Chris back on. Uh, he's just, he's busy. Uh, I'm busy and you know, we got all kinds of guests lined up and all kinds of cool things going on here. Uh, so truly, truly appreciated being able to, you know, spend some, some moments, uh, chatting with him. Uh, and I'm going to get right on over to that in a moment here. I do have to say thank you as always to our presenting sponsor. This is a sponsored podcast and we have to say thank you to Eclipse Holsters, Guys, head over to EclipseHolsters.com. Check out what Jess and her team have going on. They have a whole line of holsters in the waistband, outside the waistband. They do dump trays. They do tourniquet holders. They do mag carriers in all kinds of colors, patterns for all different kinds of handguns. Whatever you're looking for, there's a really, really good chance that Jess and her team can take care of you. Uh, you know, Whether you need something light-bearing in the waistband, maybe it's their Sirius. Uh, comes with a you know a delta wing for concealment. Maybe you want to carry strong side. You don't need the 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 wing for concealment. Maybe it's their delta holster. You know, uh, hey, outside the waistband, they have you covered. Maybe you're looking for something in a fanny pack or off body carry. Maybe you're a woman and just how you have to dress day to day. Accessibility is a concern or an issue. Check out their zero G holster. It's got an overmolded side on on uh, well. It's not really overmolded, but it's got uh, a high sweat guard is what I was looking for on on both sides of it. And it comes with Velcro. So it attaches to the inside of your vertex bag or, 
you know, whatever you got going on. And it's built specifically for those applications not to be used with a clip or any kind of, you know, belt attachment or alt clip, anything like that. So not only do they make great quality holsters that are on their way to you in three business days or less, but they also have some really, really cool solutions to solve your issues. Guys, the discount code prepared mindset, all one word is going to save you 20% off your order, which is pretty sweet. Cause honestly, if you pick up a holster and a mag carrier, saving 20%, <clears throat> it's going to be quite a bit. And if you spend over a hundred dollars, they're going to upgrade you to two day FedEx shipping, which is even better. No, uh, I mean, I, I guess I, I'll go ahead and throw some shade at the USPS cause they're always good to lose at least one Christmas present, uh, that I have ordered for family members the, this time of year, actually, I don't trust the USPS. So that's why when I have to mail stuff out that's important to me, I go with UPS or FedEx. FedEx shipping is awesome. Again, discount code prepared mindset. It's all one word. Gonna save you 20% off your order. Head over to eclipseholsters.com. Let the team take care of you today. Also got to throw out there, we have a Patreon page, guys. Uh, things like targets, uh, those are free right now. We're putting out things like our cold start drill. Check that out. Uh, just put up a rifle to handgun transition drill to work on. Uh, we have other things on there, you know, uh, videos, blogs, articles, photos, exclusive content that you guys are going to get access to here on the pod or uh, on our Instagram. We have exclusive episodes that are going up on the Patreon as well. So head over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod and uh, check it out. Consider signing up, consider making a donation. You know, every little bit helps. Uh, it keeps us moving in the positive direction towards the new, bigger, better projects that we want to work on. Uh, so we can keep bringing, you know, these awesome guests to you guys, keep producing these episodes for you and then do more. Cause we, there's a bunch of stuff we want to do. There's projects in the works, there's conversations and things happening behind the scenes that, you know, we, we don't disclose, right? Cause we're working on it. We want to make sure it all comes together the right way. Again, head over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod, or just check out our link tree on Instagram, head over and consider signing up as a patron today. Okay. So with that out of the way here, uh, like I said, I have an awesome conversation with my good friend, Chris Blau. He works with 1911 syndicate and CGS suppressors. If you guys haven't, you should go check them out on their YouTube channel. Uh, you know, Jake and Crispy and Buster and him, they do just awesome videos sharing a ton of good information. So I highly encourage you guys to go check that out after you're done listening to this episode. But enough of that. We're going to get on over and here we go. All right, God. man. Yeah, here we go. I mean, uh, yeah, it's been six months almost to the day because you were on it was like april 12th so it was either it was either the 12th or the day right before it yeah dude six months like the last time we talked you had just started working for cgs so yeah like this whole summer of like ridiculous travel you had uh and are continuing on (laughs) continuing to do um i had i i didn't even have my suppressor yet my suppressor was still in jail for like another three weeks or something yeah i think i got yeah. it right at the beginning of may i guess we've chit chatted in text but we haven't like like talked talked and caught up huh yeah dude it's been uh wild <laughs> there's been a lot going on uh yeah it's been been bananas you need to do an intro or anything no man i mean pre-record i'll, I'll do it in the ad space or something i'll, I'll add it in i'm good okay. you, 
you've been here twice. You don't get the, uh, the, the, you know, the good treatment anymore. You're just, you're just a guy. Just making sure, just making sure. Yeah. Um, but you, you, I mean, yeah, man, it's been crazy. And like, uh, you know, I, I saw the video series. I haven't watched them all, uh, unfortunately, but I, I saw you guys, yeah. uh, you guys pulled together that like six video series with HK. Dude, it was, uh, sorry, excuse me, drinking Diet Pepsi, so I got to burp. <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, dude, it was like, it felt like 400 videos, man. So we were, we've worked with them in the past and like a bunch of HK products. And it's funny because when we started the channel, we weren't like giant HK fans. I thought it was more hype than anything. You know, well, and everyone likes to, to hate on HK because they, you know, like, oh, when are they going to civilian market? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I was one of those guys, 100%. Dude. <laughs> and then we get to work with them and we learn the history and the engineering and the why behind a lot of stuff and why importation is so difficult. And like, bro, my EDC now, HKP30, done by Langdon. It is. Oh, wow. You didn't just, waste anything with that. Oh, uh, I'm in love with it. It's what I carry every day now. But um, yeah, you, had like, a, you were rocking a staccato for a while, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, that's been dude sitting in the safe for uh, like three, four months, uh, two, three months now. Wow! So it changed your it changed you that that hard that fast. Oh yeah, like this P30 Langdon knocked it out of the park with it, man. It is like a you know, and we're we're clearing safe, but. They do some aftermarket work and use Grey Ghost flat triggers. So it's almost, go with me on this, a 1911 wall and then a flat okay. break. Wow, and like, okay. oh, dude, I'm, I'm just a giant fan. So you run it in a, so it's double action, right? So as yep. we pull the super heavy trigger, we get the hammer going back, meets the wall, a little pressure forward. But to run this gun, there's no decocker. So I have to insert a mag chamber around and then it goes to a lightened double action that is so, three. It's, so it's not a tr- it's not necessarily a double action single action it's like a something different it's a lightened double action is what i say um sorry langdon if that's not the term but what, it, what <laughs> but then it's a three and three quarter to about a four and a quarter pound break and it's been awesome dude got a hollow on there which people might get upset but 508t so I mean that, that the trigger shoe itself kind of looks like the uh like the SIG 365 trigger almost that like it's technically it's a flat face but it's like yeah. angled forward and yep so there's like a lot of people are mad at this like over travel right here mm-hmm. it's so light you literally don't know it and then again you just hit a flat wall and then a little more pressure there's the wall and then break so yeah I mean so there's something you can you can certainly train through. Yeah, you, know, you just gotta yeah, like, the time in. I mean, the wall, right, and then a little more pressure, break the shot. So, well, and that's I, I okay. So, and that's an interesting thing to unpack, kind of side topic, but because a lot, you know, this is one of the things when I took my concealed carry tactics class at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Robbie talked about, the head instructor there, <clears throat> was when you present the gun, he's like, you know, we're just working on the draw. Like, don't shoot, just draw and present your side picture. And he's like, a lot of you guys have your finger like along the edge of the trigger guard or the frame, whatever, like, why isn't your finger on the trigger? We go, Oh, well, no, I mean, this is a trick question. Like, because safety and he goes, I mean, I get what you're saying, but that's, if you're at the point of presenting a firearm, don't you think you're probably past the point of safety? Yep. 
And it's like, oh, I didn't even think of that, you know, because that's one of those things I I think this is just my opinion. I think it's like uh, spread throughout the community as a safety thing by guys that are former law enforcement or even huh. possibly even former military. Right. Where they have huh. to be a little bit more uh, judicious with their decision making, uh, sure. for lack of a better phrase. Right. Now, granted, we should all be judicious making those decisions. Um, but the context of the situation with a civilian, right. Always going to be slightly different in that we're not supposed to end up in those kinds of positions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. you know, if we're doing our job right as, as armed civilians, uh, if the gun's out, you've pretty much already assessed the threat is there and that, you know, yeah. you're, you're at that point. Yeah. But, it's- uh, Heaven forbid, but I, I think that's my theory on it too. And I started with, you know, the old school training until you're ready to, you know, all the fundamentals and then mm-hmm. you put your finger on the trigger, yada, yada. Great. And that's how you teach a lot of people with like a low, lowest common denominator. Right. Does that make right. sense? Yep. So we teach yeah. 50 people this to the lowest, maybe level, very easily. intelligence or skill level or whatever sure. you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. And then as you progress more, I started working with, you know, a couple trainers and stuff. And as soon as you clear the holster, your fingers on the trigger, like get into that wall, good sight picture, sight alignment, everything's good to go. As soon as you're ready, a little more pressure, break the shot. Right. So, right. but that even starts slow, drawing slow, a little bit of pressure, a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, yeah. and then it just, well, becomes- and that, yeah. And that's that it highlights the importance of like good mechanics and stuff too, because if you don't address some of those things, getting the finger in the trigger guard too soon can be an issue if you don't fix the other problem. So, I mean, like I get it, yeah. I see both sides of it, but realistically, if you've trained to a, a certain level of proficiency, dry practice and, and all those things, it really should be a safe, uh, you know, relatively yeah. safe process to go ahead. And like you said, as soon as that gun's clear the holster and you shouldn't be muzzling yourself because as soon as it's out, it should be angled down range at, at minimum. Yeah you know, uh, yeah, safe to, to, to jump on there. So that's, you know, totally aside the point, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's the way I understand it. If I'm wrong, I'm sure people will let me know, but you know, there's, there's like when I got the staccato and I was training, I started prepping the trigger a little too much and not good. I didn't have a side alignment. I was safe. We're in safe conditions. Right. And torched off around before I had a good sight picture. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. And that's where it's like, Oh, Hey, used to maybe put a little more spice on it with a Glock trigger. This is very different. And that's where yeah. training you dry. Right. Practice. That's, that's how, you know, you're pushing your limits and, and to yep. an extent in, in training context, it's a good thing, you know, yep. to realize that. But, uh, I think that realization has to happen and people need to, like you said, adjust accordingly, train accordingly. Yep. Uh, so at any rate, so you, you, you got, you know, we started on the, uh, the whole HK project yeah. and, they convinced you to, they convinced you to, to switch over your EDC. Uh, so how did, let's get back to that. How did, uh, how did that all, I guess, what brought that all together and everything? Was it just something that you and Jake had on a list? Like, Hey, you know what? It's June. It's time for the HK project we've had planned for three years. Like, or I mean, I'm assuming it was slightly more organic than that. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we've done some HK products in the past. We've done some reviews on their previous guns. We have a good relationship with them. Um, it, which is cool, like, uh, you know, like, not in a cocky way whatsoever, but I pinch myself often, like, dude, like, fucking HK is coming out, you know, like, it's, it's fucking yeah. awesome. 
I mean, that's a good relationship with any gun company, realistically, let alone something that's considered slightly more premier. Just very cool. And so they came out with, dude, Jake being, so I'm like the people person, kind of like go with the flow. Yeah. Maybe a little everywhere. He is the organized type A, like drill sergeant, man. And that's why we work well together. So he had this, a creative idea to do a series on HK on pistols, rifles, sub guns in mm-hmm. conjunction with James Williamson from Tufel Hunt Tactical, which I believe I said it right. Um, and he's like a brand ambassador for HK, but on his own, he has his own company that's HK related. And then I, I said something in one of the videos that he needs to be like, I'm going to make phone calls at HK and promote him to like, not brand ambassador, but like lifestyle HK lifestyle lifestyle. coach or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like aficionado, you know, I can't remember what I said, but, uh, yeah, so they came out and Jake wrote every video. Um, he got the music for every video. He like, like Steven Spielberg, bro. Like he writes <laughs> this out. We, we don't have a script. He memorizes facts and we have facts, but everything is still free flow. Um, but he wrote like he had music with the video, how the intro would look, what the middle section was like, how the ending was, what he wanted James to do. And dude, we had multiple phone calls with HK and James. Uh, we had a 38 hour filming schedule. We were only there for 48 hours. Christ. Do the math. Yeah. Um, we were waking up at like, you know, four or 5 AM getting back at one, 1 AM. Uh, I mean, it was, it was bananas and we, the end result, like, I mean, I don't know, dude, I, I'm an emotional dude. I cry all the time because I get emotional with stuff. But when those started releasing, dude, I'd get choked up because we worked our asses off and it like yeah. produced some really cool content. So that's an awesome experience. I mean, and that's incredibly oh. for people that haven't done it, you know, and I, I haven't done it to that extent, <clears throat> but yeah. to produce anything like that, uh, it's an incredibly difficult process. Um, yeah. Jake's a savage you know, dude. I'm and, telling and you like, and no one will be no one will be more critical of it than him. He'll probably oh. watch and be like, "Ah, fuck this! This sucks! I hate this spot! Like, I wish we could have reshot this, or I wish I would have." You know what I mean? Like, he if he hasn't already, you know, said that kind of stuff to you, I'm sure the he probably whole team. has. The whole, <laughs> yeah, the ah, fuck! Whole I should have picked a different song. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It, it's not quite that extent, but like the whole team is very like self reflective and always want to do our best and like you know, Jake will start watching footage and be like, man, we could have done this better or this change or like, you know, you sounded fucking stupid here or like, you know, we we messed this up. And (laughs) what a nice way to put it, (laughs) which, Hey, you know, like, and it's all, all with love, but like, we all make mistakes. We all gotta, you know, we all want to do better and working with type a dudes like that. I think really that's why HK came out at the end of the day is, I mean, we put forth a tremendous amount of effort, but Jake, bro, in three and a half years of doing this, Jake has only forgot one thing filming one thing. And it was like a black marker. I'm not joking. Are you it's sure it wasn't the pop tarts? Yeah, no, those, trust me. I make sure I'm on top of the <laughs> <so. laughs> No, but like, I think that's why HK was willing to work with us because yeah. like the effort put in, you know, and, and no, I mean, you, yeah. I mean, there's such a, uh, uh, 
boutique to say it's a boutique brand is not accurate because that usually carries like a connotation of being a small sure. business you know i know um, what you're meaning though niche yeah yeah like a niche like a, a premier yeah. brand of firearms that like you know uh sure. that not a not everybody carries b not everybody has access to for i mean and it's for a bunch of different reasons like we don't even have to get into the reasons but they're just yeah. not it's not like your glock Right or your uh, your your bread in ninety two right or yeah. or Sig three twenty where there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them you know floating around there and I know there's guys out there with uh, you know my friend Tyler he rocks a, a VP nine and I think okay. he just picked up a forty five a couple of weeks ago but uh, at, at any rate like you see the handguns some semi frequently right yeah. um, I think a lot of people get scared away by like. Yeah, it's a little bit higher price point. And then like the paddle uh mag release thing, you know, is a little yep. bit goofy for us Americans to, you know, get used to. And then totally. uh, you don't get the love on the Insta Google if you uh if you rock a double action or whatever, hammer fired. Um, but yeah, it's such like a yeah, like a niche company, sure. you know. I, I'm sure that they they're you know choosy about who they work with and and review and I mean the just the same as I would before bringing somebody on this podcast, the same as you guys would before you brought somebody on a 1911 video, I would assume anyway, you know, you're actually yeah. going to pull some bum off the street. Uh, and yeah, I mean, so, and, uh, you know, obviously their standards probably uh, just a little bit slightly higher than yours or mine, right. For who they work with. Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, but that's, it speaks volumes to what you guys have done uh, with, with 1911 and the, and the videos and, and everything in between, you know, uh, social media and whatnot. Yeah. Thank you, man. It's been, I like, I'm not even saying it to be humble or anything, but like, it's Jake, dude. Like he's just so damn organized and type a, and like, I know my role there. He knows his role. Like, you know, we're best friends. We have a very good relationship and it just makes things work, you know? And then crispy and Buster crispy, our videographer, Buster, our photographer, like, bro, they're doing more than us. Like, cause they're not allowed to sit down. Like they're not allowed to relax. They are always filming or always taking photos. Cause yeah. like if they're not doing their job, that. right. Yeah. So like crispy dude, like, you know, at the end of it, we were all struggling. Like it was the final push. It's like midnight day two. We've all only slept like six hours. And uh, we're like, dude, we got an hour and a half and we're done. And he's like, bro. And I'm like, <laughs> I, feel, dude, I know. I, like, yeah. And the poor kid is like, rolling ankles here because you know he's filming he'll trip or whatever and like it's a lot it's a lot and uh it's not a knock on him at all in fact it's a pro dude the kid's 25 and he's fucking putting out dude and like yeah. i don't think at 25 i would have worked that hard and he kicked ass and the the product speaks for itself i mean those videos are incredible he just he knocked yeah. it out. and it's dude it's it, a it's tough to find people to do that do that kind of stuff you know, yeah. uh, it's not difficult to find photographers and videographers. It is very difficult to find people to do what they do uh, at the level that they do it. Um, and even to some extent, as shitty as this is going to sound, like people that aren't like ultra liberal about it, because like when yeah. you get into the creative arts space, and I say this as somebody who's a musician and I teach sure. and I spend a lot of time around those kinds of people and like, hey, totally cool with your differences of opinion like we don't like talk politics or anything we're, we're there to teach children and all that stuff but like yeah. 
it's just, it is difficult because when you approach people that are very into photography and they're very, you know, like about their craft and everything, those folks are typically very, you know, they're very liberal. They don't like firearms. So you're already at an extreme disadvantage when you're entering that space, trying to, you know, partner with somebody. It's like, Hey, um, do you want to like run behind me with a gimbal while I shoot some steel and, um, make me not look awful? Uh, please. You know, it, it's it's tough. I mean, there's projects that I have that I want to get in, you know, in the works, get started on and stuff. I have a couple of friends that are like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And then when it comes time, like, hey, man, I'm getting the ball rolling that I get, you know, ghosted. It, it is difficult. You know, people yeah. have other jobs, other projects for one, for two. It's just, well, it's like with anything else, right? Getting people to commit and actually follow through with that commitment. It's It's tough, man. Yeah. Uh, for you guys to have built what you have with the team that you have, I, I mean, you're very fortunate, but yeah, a hundred percent, those guys do great, great work. Cause I don't think I've seen anything bad from you guys really. Yeah. And they, so like politics wise too, like Chris Peewee, like didn't really grow up around guns, I think. And he wasn't pro gun or anti-gun. It just, he's a skater hipster kid. And I'm, I say all this in a good way. Cause I love everything about him, dude. Like, he's just awesome. Skater, hipster, videographer, kid, buster. Again, I don't think grew up around guns, but wasn't pro-gun, anti-gun. They're just like normal dudes. And yeah. I think that's also a part of it, too, is politically, like, we vary on different things, but we're all very middle-of-the-road, common sense. And so, like, it's cool to see them progress around guns because we get to expose them to a lot. And now, yeah. like, Christy works for RDR Kydex. He does social media for him. He's done stuff for Cabot. He's done stuff for a bunch of people. Buster was like an award-winning documentary, like nature film guy originally for like national parks and state parks on top of he's like a world-class barber and worked at the Paul Mitchell Academy and everything. Is that why you grow out your beard? Dude, like he, (laughs) our schedule never lines up, but he's only, I've only had the pleasure of having him trim my beard like two or three times. But, dude, he's, like, fucking legit at it. Like, he almost – it feels like he's done nothing to you because he's, like, so fine-tuned with it, and he doesn't cut off a lot. And then it just looks magical. Like, the dude's gifted. That's such a crazy combination of just odd skills that you would never necessarily, like, you (laughs) know, put together into a person. Like, oh, yeah, he's a super skilled, like, master barber (laughs) and photographer, and also he shoots and works for – it's, like – that's Crazy. you know it's very funny uh I, that that's very funny for me to hear uh cool <laughs> just uh, wow yeah. you know and that's- jake jake you know born and raised in virginia moved to la worked in the film industry but was a vitamin salesman for a big company for a long time and then like got into guns and then got out of california because he was more into guns and hated california and needed a change Right. Uh, he kind of retired when I met him and was looking for something else to do, which is how this all started. And I used to train dogs professionally. So like, it's a mixture of like super weird backgrounds. Like, yeah, that uh, is an amalgamation of odd stuff. You know, it's not weird, like weird. Yeah, stuff. Like, well, we all just knew each other and then we just did this and everything's, you know, hunky dory, but you know, I mean, I think that says a lot, uh, about the community and the eclectic, uh, yeah skills and hobbies people that you meet you know uh whether it's music or i mean any number of things right like uh it was it's funny i when i had uh dutch moyer on earlier in the year and then yeah, also congrats on that dude 
Like you've had some cool. bombshell cool. like guests, not okay, to like fanboy about the guests, but like dude, Dutch Moyer, bro. Like he's a super nice guy. Uh, and he had pointed <laughs> out, I can't, I can't remember if it was on my pod or maybe it was on Chris Peranto's, but he mentioned like all the guys that he'd ever worked with, like special forces, special operations, everything. Right. He's like, everyone's like into that. But then everybody has like this crazy, weird, odd, like side hobby they're really into. It's oh, completely God. under like for him, it's like antique radios and stuff, you know, and like um, Drew from Bear Solutions that I connected with. I had him on the pod and, and he was able to yeah. connect me a bunch of really, really good people. Uh, shout out to Drew. If you guys haven't checked out Bear Solutions, you really should. But uh, his thing is lawn care. Like, uh, <laughs> I enough, he's like, fucking love that. Dude. Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, my whole Instagram is like, I take care of my lawn, you know, lawn care. When I do when I got a sod, when I got a seed, when I got to, you know, fertilize. And I'm like, so you're what, like in your thirties yelling at the neighbors to get off your lawn, <laughs> but it's weird. You know, it's like, it's just, it's one of the cool things about the community people and their skill sets that you would never, yeah. you know, have pegged them for. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm fortunate. I get to rub shoulders, you know, several employees, at cgs or former special operations guys it's on their website everyone knows that i'm like a special operations fanboy and i'm okay with that i admit it not only special operations but military in general i'm just fascinated with human beings and their ability to like achieve incredible things that's really what it is yeah Um, yep and a lot of those guys are very good at their job a lot of them are not really gun guys believe it or not that's a little shocking it's a little bit i mean for military people, not so much, but special operations folks yeah. where they, they have to, by the nature of their job, spend more time around it. That is, that is somewhat surprising to hear. Here's my analogy, a construction, like a framer mm-hmm. for a house. He, his primary tool is a hammer. He doesn't look at hammers at night. He doesn't obsess over them. He finds a good one. He's given it and he uses yeah. it because he has to know how to use a hammer a saw, a nail gun, go down the list. Right. These guys, these guys more than anything are like jacks of all trades, masters of them all. Like, dude, that's true. That's all true. of them have weird hobbies. All of them when they're in like uh, Dave Bush, he's a former um, special operations guy. His company's called Rogers Rangers. I just recently was down there at his facility training with him. Oh, cool. And he got really into driving when he was in the military, like tactical high end mm-hmm. drifting and driving. Yeah. At his facility in Texas, the ranch in Dilly, Texas, there's a tactical driving course, bro. And he like gets in these Camaros and fucking sends it. It's his hobby. It's his passion. He's in love with it as well as that's awesome. Working where Chris Dutch used to work. So like incredible military career, but his thing is driving. So like, dude, he showed me videos that made my palms sweat because he's going like 90 ripping around this track, like drifting. And he's just holding the wheel like, dude, like it's nothing. Right. Yeah. Just another day. Yeah. And and he's like, Hey, we don't have time during this training section, but we'll go, we'll go do this next time you come out. And I'm like, bro, I don't know if I want to do that shit, you know, but again, back to the original thing, they all have hobbies that they also become masters of. Like it's, it's not like they're good at it they are like great and perfect at it. And I'm just fascinated with their ability to do that. You know? Yeah. I, um, it's, it, it's weird. Well, yeah, I just finished a, a book, uh, by Roger Sparks and I hold on. It's, uh, uh, warrior's creed. And he is okay. a former, um, right 
Yep. He's a former Marine recon guy and a former pararescue jumper. Uh, What's the name again? You know, PJ, it's a uh, warrior's creeds name of the book. Um, and he talks at the end of his book at, at length about tattooing and how he went through operation bulldog bite, like a, a, just a terrible, terrible, like, I think it was eight or 10 days long or something like this an awful firefight with tons of casualties and just the horrific things he saw and experienced. And then when they got him and his guys got back to their, their, their base, uh, were approached by a documentary documentary filmmaker and some tattoo artists that want to just tattoo them. And for some reason he was just like, yeah, get in here, you know? And there was like this catharsis that came from it. And then he has, uh, you know, since then that's how that's become one of his passions and, and hobbies and, and things, you know, um, so for guys like that, I mean, it is, it's somewhat strange and you, it's hard to explain, but it, it makes an odd sort of sense. I think, you know, that you yeah. just, you find that thing that is, it's so polar opposite from the horrific things that you've had to see or do or whatever. Right. Um, so it's always cool to, to it, it, you know, cool might be the wrong word, but it's always interesting, right. To, yeah. uh, to hear, you know, where people, where life takes people's uh, focus and, uh, yeah. and passion. Um, but, but talking about CGS, how is that all going? Cause I know, uh, like I said, you, it's been about six months since you were on. And at that time you had just, you'd really come on. You hadn't really done a ton yet. Um, yeah. and we talked about, you know, how you got hooked up with all those guys. Um, but I know since then you've been like, <laughs> you've been traveling nonstop pretty much. Uh, so yeah. what's, what's that been like? Yeah. So like, Dude, again, I'm an emotional guy. I'll probably start crying. Like, I got the best job ever, dude. Like, I, for once in my life, like, it's just been every single day I wake up to go to work is like Christmas, man. And uh, my life is very good. I've never, I don't really have a hard life, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I, mm-hmm. I have worked jobs where it's like, bro, I should wreck my truck today so I don't have to go to work, you know? <laughs> Like, dude, I, I want to slash my yeah. tires so I don't have to go in today. And like, unfortunately, a lot of us get stuck in that. I understand mm-hmm. it. I was that way for 31 years. You know, I started working when I was like 15 at construction sites doing like cleanup, dude, been working forever. So like, you know, but uh, it's been awesome, dude. So I travel the country as their sales guy uh, doing demos, man. And uh, let's see here. In six months, I've been to... Denver, Houston, Austin, Houston again, Austin again. Um, been down to Texas or uh, Dilly, Texas. This last weekend, I was just in the Houston, yeah, Houston area during Shooter's Symposium, which was awesome. We'll talk about that. Um, so I've been all over, dude. Like, it's, I yeah. do demos here in Arizona. So, like, you know, if I'm home for the weekend, Dude, I'll line up a demo here. So I've, it's just been demos flying around the country, shooting guns, man. It's been bananas. Dude, God bless your wife, man. I can only imagine oh. what that's been like on your home schedule to like the time away. And, you know, and, and it's, it's weird. Cause you know, like we, it's almost like as, as kids growing up, right. Where you were like conditioned, seeing all these horrible jokes about what married life must be like. And everyone just whines and bitches about their, uh, uh-huh. about their significant other, you know? And, I, and even when I was getting like my late twenties and I was like engaged, my, my twin brothers, like all the time, you know, with the fucking jokes and, uh, and everything like that. But like, dude, it, 
It sucks. Like I think the most I've ever actually spent away from my wife has been like the week I go to teach band camp, you know? Yeah. And even then it's like, yeah, you still talk on the phone or you can text a little bit here and there, but it's like, man, this kind of sucks. Like you're still really happy to see him when, you know, it's not like you you come home from that trip and you're like, Oh, you're still here. You know, like that's not, if that's what you're, (laughs) if that's what your marriage is like, I, I, strongly encourage you to reevaluate some things yeah <laughs> for both your sakes uh unless you just can't afford to lose half your shit in which case you know uh good luck. You know, I, yeah i don't know what to tell you there but uh but yeah so that, that's gotta i mean either bring you together more hopefully or and also just be difficult like i can only imagine yeah. man yeah and like you know I, I travel mandatory like four days out of every month for syndicate and you add on like a week long event or, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll book two events in a month. I'm gone like, you know, eight, nine, 10 days out of every month yeah. for the last three years. Now I have an incredible wife who dude, I'm not joking you. Every time I leave, I'm walking out the door. She's like, I love you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I support you. And I'll see you when you get home. Like, dude, that's super cool. Every time, every single time. And it makes it a lot easier when I'm like coming home to be like, I cannot fucking wait to get home. Like me and her have a very good relationship. We, uh, we've been fortunate to spend a lot of time together. So like sidebar again, we sold everything we owned about seven years ago, bought a trail and traveled the whole country before it was like really cool. And so I like, did it before it was cool. I got it. Yeah. 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 Cause everyone does it now. We lived yeah. seven years ago and we hit 48 States drove to Alaska and back. And so for a year, we were together every day, 24, seven, 365 for a year, dude, we didn't fight fucking once, man. Like we, See, we that's, have a that's unique. Marriage. Yeah, that is unique. And, and my wife is a lot the same way. Um, you know, she, I love you. Like she, she told me to say, she's like, I'm proud of you, whatever, you know? Yeah. And it's different. I like the, like right there. I just said, I should proud of you, whatever. Like I came from such a different <laughs> style of parenting and like family and everything where it's like, Same, we, didn't, we, we didn't show a whole bunch of emotion or love, or even now it's like, if my mom calls me, it's like, Hey, I was just thinking about you. I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you want? Like, what oh, do you, yeah. you know what I mean? Or like, huh. or even my wife will just like say like, Hey, I love you. And I'm like, uh and you know what i mean like i just yeah. it's almost it's so hard to break on like an emotionally broken level <laughs> sure sure <laughs> it's just it's so difficult but you know i think it's yeah. an awesome thing to have in a partner i can honestly say that it makes me a better person oh for sure and like i don't care if it's a cheese ball or whatever like my parents got divorced when i was like 12 13 two uh, christmases yeah right no 100 i'm like dude they didn't get along so like afterwards my relationships with them got better and theirs got better and they like co-parented very very well like it was actually one of the few divorces that was like things the ended better, up better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and and if they listen to this i've spoken to them and told them this to their face so whatever but my mom just got remarried like three four five months ago which is awesome like oh, cool for her Yeah, been super happy for her. But anyways, Megan didn't have a good parent, like loving situation either. So like when we first got together, I was like, hey, divorce is on the table after we have exhausted everything. Yeah, I mean, everything. And she was like, hey, same. And I'm like, look, I want to make our marriage better. 
and work on it. So like we had a rough patch sure where I was a young 20 year old kid who didn't like to clean up after himself. And she was basically being a fucking maid for me, which is unfair, you know? And we yeah. went to marriage <laughs> counseling and we learned how to, how to communicate. And like, now like our fights are like very good communication. It's just like conversational, like, Hey, I'm, I'm upset about this. Can we talk about it? So like, I'm not saying it's perfect. We definitely argue and stuff, but like, bro, dude, the communication piece is crucial. And honestly, yep. like it's, 100%. it's such a, it's a huge thing, like in life and in marriage, what like any, anything, like, honestly, we, people talk about conflict resolution. You know, we, we've talked about it before on this podcast. Cause you know, ultimately yep. it's your, just like we were talking at the very beginning here, right? Like you draw your gun you need to have, you know, gone through your process that you're ready to make that, that fucking decision. Right. Yeah. Conflict resolution or an attempt at it, like is 90% communication and the number of people. And and it's only, this is my opinion is only fucking made worse by the, the rapid advancement of technology. Like, you know, uh, the, the, it's not really ego, but they're just, everyone's like emboldened to make these just radical shitty statements to each other because it's usually behind a keyboard. So then when you get in real life and you punch somebody in the mouth for being a dick and it's like, well, what the fuck asshole? Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Duh. You know what I mean? So yeah, communication is important, you know, and, and reading yeah. body language and understanding and, and all that stuff. Like, honestly, I think at some point in everyone's life, they should go see some kind of counselor. It's not like, it's not even like, I didn't even go, we haven't been to marriage counseling. I went to counseling when I was like early on in my workplace career. Cause I was just struggling to cope with stress. Like I didn't know how sure. to adjust to being like an adult, sure. you know, and like, it's not like you don't lay down on the couch and stare at a ceiling and talk about how you feel all the time. You kind of just like, I don't know, at least in my experience, I just like told a bunch of stories and they're like, yeah, well, did you think about it this way? And I was like, yeah, no, damn it. <laughs> you know, it's, Dude, it's, it's, it's different. What, no, that's, that's what it is, man. Is like me and Megan were struggling to communicate when we had issues. Right. So we go to a neutral third party who helps work it out from both sides and like we learned the skills and kind of like, I'm not saying we graduated marriage counseling, but like, he was like, Hey, y'all are doing great. Like maybe come back for a checkup every six months. I'm like, dude, we haven't been in, I don't know how long. Just yeah. Cause like, if there's an issue, we suss it out. And like, <laughs> sometimes like if we have an issue, I'm like, well, we can schedule like a marriage counseling thing if you want to. And she's like, no, like we have the skills. Let's figure it out. You already know how to fix this. Yeah. I'm like, ah, you're right. I'm being and honestly, ass. more of these skills would probably help the community as a whole. Like you see the amount of bullshit that blows up, like on social media in the two A community, like even just recently where you place the stock in your shoulder and how that yeah. somehow digressed into, you know, the, the dick measuring contest of the decade. I, I, I don't, I don't even know how it got there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't even know that I want to know how it got there, but like, just being able to resolve some differences, I think would go a long way for people, you know, uh, it's, it's really unfortunate, um, that that's, we haven't gotten past that as a community. I don't know what marriage counseling for an entire, uh, gun culture is, but maybe we need some, some of that people need to to own their bullshit. Uh, but at any rate, so, uh, yeah. So you can do all the traveling, all the good sales stuff, like, uh, you know, um, I haven't had a failure of my quick detached device yet with my chemo. 
Um, although I have had another, I have had another friend come at me like, you should switch over to, I think you said it was like the Reardon manufacturing. It's like a, a thread on basically uh, yeah. tapered uh, thread system. Yep. Go with something like that instead. I was like, I don't know, man. I really like the chemo. He's like, well, my buddy's failed in class and also it's heavy as shit. I'm like, yeah, but Not uh, I, really don't, I really don't want to. I like that I can take it on and off all the time. Sure. I don't know why, but I, I really do. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you can do the same thing with the Atlas. Just pop the thread and unthread it, man. So, I yeah. did. I did take it to my, my uh, carbine class I took last month. I was the uh-huh. only guy with a can. It felt amazing. Okay. Um, when they, they told us when we finished shooting, they were like, okay, so when we, we take a break here, like, you know, we'll clear, we'll drop mags, we'll clear the gun, make them safe. And instead of everyone taking them back and putting them back by like the shooting benches and stuff for the lanes, just lean them against the wall. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 cool. Well, the first like 20 feet of (laughs) the first 20 feet of the range is like this hard, rubbery foam, like sound deadening stuff. And I lead my gun against it. Yep. There's still a little bit of melted rubber attached to the very tip of my uh, my Sandman. And uh, I just ended up laying it down like, oh, well, you can't get it to sit up because you got a brace. I'm like, no, I just I fucking melted your wall, bro. Yeah. Oh, shit. You got to sign it now. Like, no, I don't make me do that shit. Um, it but it was cool. No, no, uh, Robbie was cool. I was just joking. I was like, no, the last time I was here for class, you, Dana shot the wall, and there's still a spot in the wall where one of the guys shot it uh, at that last carving class I was at. Just like a running, a, like one of those like thinking processing drills where you're like calling out letters and numbers, and like as you're moving, trying to shoot a target, and he freaked out and got a stray one to the left, and it hit the wall, <laughs> and uh, oh, still there. Uh, I mean, totally still downrange, not even remotely yeah, safe, not safe, yeah. but. Uh, still funny, and he's like, "Yeah, I forgot you were here for that." But huh. uh, well, I, was there. a couple things because here's the chemo on one of the cans that I run, right? The Helios QD tie. Mm-hmm. I am going to switch it out to the Atlas Reardon system here shortly. So two pieces, right? Where one will thread into the can. Excuse me. And that threads over the muzzle device, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. You got a muzzle device here, which you just throw on your AR this will replace the chemo and it will sit right. Oh, wait, 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 right there. So decent uh, inch, inch and a quarter. Sure. Wow. So it's going to save you a little bit. Well, and that is the one thing. So that is, that is one thing that has taken a bit of getting used to is a, the extra weight. Now I know with CGS, it's different because Inconel is fairly lightweight, isn't it? Well, titanium's light. The Inconel is heavy. Inconel is heavy, heavy, heavy. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, but the extra weight at the end of the barrel, like mine, uh, my Sandman S is like eighteen point six or seven, something like that's almost nineteen ounces. Seven, I think eighteen point seven. It's she, she a thick bitch, like for (laughs) sure, adds a bunch of weight out there, um, to where you have to be conscious of that, even when you're carrying the gun just unloaded, like the 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 center uh the balance point whatever you want to call it is is definitely sure. different and you have to be cognizant of that because i've almost dropped it before um yeah. you're going to grab it by like by the just ahead of the mag well you know and uh it's starts to lean in forward <laughs> and it's oh. like oh, shit hold on um and then i think the other thing the other thing i gotta look at now too is i think i'm gonna pick up a uh bootleg uh, adjustable bolt carrier group. Um, cool. cause even with my, uh, my, my H2 buffer and spring, my Geisley, uh, spring buffer system or the H2 setup I have, uh, I was still ejecting around three o'clock 
yeah, that's good then. The the one of the the assistant instructor in the class, uh, Will, who's a uh, he's waiting to get into uh, OCS, the Marine Corps. Super oh, cool. smart guy, super smart guy, and very articulate with how he explained things. Um, and I I was really happy to have him there because he's just. I mean, he did the whole demo on like under like explaining zeros, you know, your, your 50 yard versus your 36 yard yep. and then like an AK yep. zero at 25, you know, and everything sure. like that. Um, but he, he had talked to me about it. So, yeah, you kind of want it a little bit closer, like three 30 or four o'clock if you can. So, you know, getting an adjustable gas block or an adjustable bolt carrier might be beneficial. Otherwise you might just wear some stuff out a little bit faster. So yeah, I don't shoot near as much as I want to anyway. So I'm not immediately worried about it. Like the can for having it six months, I only have like 340, 350 rounds through it. So, yeah. Instead, instead, what I would do is take that money that you'd spend on that and send it off to like someone like Trajectory Arms and have him tune the upper for your can. So what, what would that do? So when you say tune it, like, is that changing up? Like, is he going to drill out my gas port or something on the barrel or? Yeah, he can do it a couple different ways, but like on the CGS demo gun he built me, um, he mid-length gas system that he then has direct thread inserts into the gas port to play with gas port sizing that are custom. So then he custom tuned the gas system with the suppressor on, and I told him tune it to where like it will only run suppressed, and here's why. We're thinking of it as a whole system now instead of the gun and the suppressor. It's yeah, instead of two separate thing. things. Yeah, it's all one one unit. Yeah, and some people are like, that's dumb, that's stupid, why would you ever do that? Your gun doesn't run without a BCG because it's part of the system, mm-hmm. right? Right. Some people don't like that idea, but dude, this demo gun is the shit and we've had no no problem. Now the other thing... Let me grab another gun. Well, I can I can see both sides of it. And the only the only thing that comes to mind when I I think about why you would want it to be able to run with and without the can is if you are and I and I to some extent or to a greater extent I probably agree with this is that if you have one gun right you haven't gone out and bought five six seven whatever you're trying sure. to be very fiscally responsible you build one gun you want to be able to travel easily right for classes to neighboring states and things like that you want to file all the bullshit paperwork months in advance for your you know your suppressor crossing state lines i could see that being why you wouldn't you know what i mean like why you would want to have it tuned for with and without the can um but if you can if you can do it you know just with the can all the time i don't know why you wouldn't you know i and i might do that honestly my 11 and a half uh, I don't usually have it without the can on it. Like it's just lives you know, on it. It looks, it looks sick and I yeah. love it. And I waited a long time, not as long as some people, but I waited a long time to get it. So goddamn, I'm going to, I'm going to use it, run it. Right. And that's, that's one of the arguments too, is people say like one, what you said, yes. Follow all your local state and federal laws traveling with NFA items. Yes. Yep. But some people too will be like, well, what if I want to shoot the gun without the suppressor? You're telling me you bought the can, paid the tax, and you waited the time to not shoot <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, no. I mean, like, what, do you just want to hear something super fucking loud? Like, Because, yeah. dude, I, mean, I never thought I'd be one of those guys that's a snob shooting, like, unsuppressed. 
Mm-hmm. I am very spoiled. Yes, I know. Yada, yada, yada. Dude, I, hate, <laughs> I hate shooting unsuppressed now. Like, I would rather not shoot than shoot unsuppressed. Mm-hmm. Like, when you don't get the concussion for a long time, it like resets and it feels worse than what you remember. It, yeah. It, it See, and, prima donna, but. And it's funny you bring that up because in the same class, we had an older gentleman who's a retired cop. Uh, here in the city of Flint, everyone knows Flint, right? Bad water, super high, uh, super high crime rates. Um, he was running a, it was a 10 or a 10 and a half inch Daniel defense, uh, pistol, right. With the surefire, like two or three chamber break on it. Oh, good fucking God, dude. I was like, I was, you know, he was probably three or four guys down the line from me, you know, at least a good 10 feet from me. And, Dude, it was like getting fucking slapped in the face with all that gas and air every time yep. he shot. I was like, God damn, dude. Even sitting there at the bench, just zeroing, even uh, Robbie, the instructor, turned around and like, you know, all wide-eyed and everything because he was just not ready for for all that blasting. And, and, you, know, and you know what? He's an older guy. He was 68, you know? Sure, so, hey, sure. you want all the advantages you can to make that easy to shoot. Sure. Like, I ain't mad at it, bro. Like, it was actually really funny because we, we ran a course of fire at the end of class where you like you start and you take like two, three steps and you're at a barrel, right. And you shoot on one side, shoot on the other. Then you run all the way down the range and take like two headshots at like four yards or something. Then you turn yeah. around and come all the way back. He didn't run down the range. He just walked from one side to the other and took those headshots at like 25 yards. Now, I'm too fucking old for this. He actually hit the headshots on the first target. Nice. Nice. He, the second, the second two, he, I think they were like high and right or something, but he got the first two at 25 yards almost uh, or 20. Yeah. 25 yards. I'm like, uh, dude, Hey, respect. Yeah. Like I, I get it. You got that old man. Uh, it's not really strength, but you got the old man knowledge. Like you can hit that shot. Like, dude, good on you. Like, that's just, that's fucking awesome. Uh, good. But yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't, I mean, yeah, you, you spend all the money. Yeah. Definitely the money and the time to get a can. Why not? you know, uh, and, and to your point, if you can tune it where it's going to run, where it's going to be optimized, you yes. know, right? There you go. Why not? Why not? You know, we do it. It's crazy. Cause guys will do it with their Glocks and their staccatos and everything else. Like, Oh, I got this trigger job done and I got everything polished and I upgraded the sear. And, you know, we do all these other really, really, goofy things in some instances, right? The, the shit that guys will do to their guns to try and optimize performance ability. You know, I mean, to look at something like that and say, I don't, I want to be, you know, I don't want to optimize it. So it'll only run with the can. It's like, well, are you going to shoot it without the can? Like, yeah. are you really going to shoot it without the can? Like, you know, probably not, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like if you, I, I don't know. That's honestly, I'll probably, I'm, I'm going to go with either the bolt carrier or I might send it off to that place. One of the two yeah. things. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I thought a three o'clock ejection was okay. Um, apparently I'm telling I you right now, I, just, I wouldn't do it. Uh, three o'clock's perfectly fine. All my stuff is three o'clock, dude. So if you want okay. to change stuff, you can, but I like all my guns, even the one that's heat tuned, mm-hmm. three o'clock, dude. So yeah, because, um, if it's ejecting at like two o'clock and, or, you know, further, if it's throwing brass forward, then it's overgassed. From my understanding. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a problem. Cause then you could start to have issues with uh, stove piping and things like that. We had to have done up, you know? Yeah, that too. Um, we had those malfunctions in the first class I took out uh, at Ann Arbor arms. Um, and that, that was an overgas. Um, and that, that was actually remedied by swapping out the stock uh, a two spring and buffer yep. for a braided Geisley, you know, H like basically yep. what I have in my gun. And that was honestly why I went out and bought it when I was waiting for the can. Cause I'm like, Nope. As soon as I get this thing home, I am taking it to the range. I am not going to, you know, fuck around and, and, and wait a week for shit to show up in the mail. Like it's yeah. 70, 70, 75 bucks, you know, yeah, it's, God, it it together. Yep. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like you just dropped, you know, even for a cheap can with a stamp, you're still looking at like seven, 800 bucks for yeah. like a Yankee Hill resonator or something. Right. Sure don't you want to go out and play with it? Like as soon as you get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, smart, so. move. smart move. And that's, you know, I got Geisley or not Geisley. I do have a Geisley braided. And then I also have a lot of Springco reds. Yep. Which are I picked up a Springco red. Yep. With an H2 and, buffer. Yep. And what Alex at trajectory told me is, and I, uh, a shop here called Mr. Silencer. They shocking. They're really into silencers. You don't um, say. <laughs> they say that those are the same setup. Like the, the Geisley braided one and the spring coat is the same type of, I guess, spring weight. It's very similar. Resistance. Yeah. Whatever they measured yeah. at. Yeah. See, so dude, all my, all my stuff dumps at the three o'clock and it's good to go. So you may not need to, man. Well, I, I haven't tested it yet, but it, that should be able to run unsuppressed as well. Then is what right. I've been told, um, which is cool. Um, because I have, I have both my, I have uh, my 16 inch gun. Uh, it's a mid length gas system, or I'm sorry, it's carbine length. I want to switch it up to a mid length. Um, but I have that set up with the Springco Red and a, I forget what, it's an H2 buffer. I forget which company. Um, not total crap, but, and then the 11 and a half has the Geisley setup in it. So both of them, if nothing else, I might do that on all my setups because it gives rid of that annoying twang when you rack the charging handle, uh, charging handle. I did once I swapped those out and racked it, I was so taken with how much just like tighter everything felt and sounded like not tighter in that it was more difficult to manipulate, but just that it, it, it felt like it, it fit better and it cycled cleaner. And you know what I mean? Like it just, it, it it made me decide that right then and there never again, will one of my ARs run with a standard A2 setup. Like, fuck that. Absolutely not. Yeah, it all it all just feels like a little more cleaner lockup and unlock. Mm-hmm. Like I, I totally get what you're saying, and that twang during shooting, and then if you have like a flash hider, yep. it's like twang, 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 twang. Because the flash yeah. hider times will ring, you know. See, because and I and I prefer a flash hider. I just you know, yeah. I it, breaks have their place, right? And I know we talked a little bit. I think uh, last time you were on, you know how a. a, a Flash hider works more like a water jet, right? Within you see, there you go. Yeah, you got one on one of yours. Yeah. Uh, and a muzzle brake will kind of work. I don't, it just pushes out on the seams of the the welds of the can and everything. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, just for that reason that I sometimes I shoot unsuppressed and and everything. Uh, I hate muzzle brakes on a two two three gun. Yeah. It's so unnecessary. Sure. You know, yeah. unless you're super old like that guy and my dad. <laughs> Or uh, you have some kind of disability, you know, maybe you, you, you're just, or weaker or you're maybe a woman, like no offense, ladies listening. That's not supposed to be derogatory. It's just 
acknowledging that you might have slightly less upper body strength than like a six foot three, 250 pound male, like myself. That's sure. That's why my, my wife's gone up on the wall has a two chamber surefire break on the end of it. Actually, no, I switched her over to the, the dead air one so she can run my can if she wants. Yeah, there you go. And that, you know, I mean, even when you're on the gun with a break, it's not as bad. Like I, you know, if I do shoot unsuppressed, breaks are nice, but like two, two, three is more than manageable. So is five, five, six, right? Different pressure, whatever. But like, I don't know, at the end of the day, too, a lot of it, like there's pros, cons, this, that. It all comes down to also what do you like? Run what you like. Call have it a you, day. Like, have, I hound on stuff, but at the end of the day, run what you like, you know. Have you used the um I forget what it's called? It's I think Sons of Liberty Gunworks does it, but it's the dead air muzzle device that's their flash hider, but I think it's got like the yep. three ports across that's the that. top. Oh, that's yeah. what you have there. Yeah, it's the Nox NOX. The Nox, right. So it's kind of vaguely reminiscent, right, to like the the Surefire War Comp, where it's the flash hider with the the porting chambers on the top of it to help a little bit with recoil. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I haven't shot this gun unsuppressed, so I don't know if it helps. Um, but this is an upper that Alex at trajectory tuned to run suppressed and unsuppressed. See, and I, so let me, okay. So, and that's the chemo, right? That yep. you're, you're fiddling with there. Yeah. And listen, to, have, listen to the clicks real quick. Cause yours sound very different. Listen, could you even hear them? Like the first two. Yeah, dude. There's probably ratchets like. Yep. Yeah. Did you tune yours or something or like lube it or. Oh, no, they're so worn down. It doesn't ratchet anymore. Oh, on off on off. And I have on my my dead air and it's only on the the flash hider on my 11.5. Like I get like a little bit of spin before those teeth grab. And when I'm taking only when I'm taking it off, um, I get a little bit of spin before it starts to start ratcheting and come off. And the guys at dead air are like, nope, that's totally normal. It's nothing to worry about. It's fine. And I'm like, yeah, but my other two don't do it. And now it just bothers me. So like one of these days I will probably end up swapping over muzzle devices or something to like a new flash hider just to be rid of that nuisance only because it bothers me. And for no other reason than that. Hey, and that's enough reason. Like some people would say that's silly. Look, I would say that's silly, but I know I have weird, like things like that where I'm like, no, I don't like it. Like I understand it works and it's fine. I don't like it. It will bother me. Whatever little part of OCD not downplaying real OCD, right? But yeah, like you don't it, want to offend anybody. You know, yeah, don't want to hurt any any feelings. Any but. feelings out there? No, absolutely not. Can't do that. Yeah, it's uh, but Alex cut that too, so like it sits right against the handguard. Was that a that was a BCM KMR rail? Yep. Yeah. Good. Good eye, dude. Yeah. So that was the KMR before it was aluminum that was the magnesium um magnesium aluminum hybrid one so the new one's called the kmra which is all aluminum this one is just the standard kmr and they were super lightweight they don't make them anymore some collector out there is probably crying right now hearing that ah uh, original don't know kmr yeah how dare you uh, but i mean that thing's spray painted that's like my uh this rifle is the longest rifle I've had. It's the one that I've like, I mean, for years and years and years, it's been spray painted like six or seven times. It's, I rebarreled it with Alex. So after about 20,000 rounds, we rebarreled it and put a new barrel in. And that's when he tuned the system. So 
Yeah, that's mine doesn't even have nearly that. I, if it has a thousand rounds, I'd be surprised, honestly, my 16 inch, because once I got my shotgun, I stopped shooting yeah. a long one. <laughs> um, but I really want to switch over to a, like a Roscoe, like a, like a one in seven uh, sure. and a mid length, you know, gas system. Something's gonna be a little bit softer shooting. Not that it makes a huge amount of difference, but um you know, like the one in nine that comes on the M and P sport, which is how that thing started life. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's fine for the 55 grain shit ammo, which is what I, which is I'm realistically why I haven't done it yet. It, Cause that's all I shoot is the like range ammo ball ammo. Um, I don't really get into the 72 grain good stuff or the most premium of ammos. Um, but I, you know, I, I do want to step it up at some point and get, get the barrel redone. And that's, it's easy. Like, I mean, I've had great experiences with my Roscoe bloodline. They're like $200. I mean, anybody listening to this that is debating, it might even be that, it might be less than that. But like, if you're looking, if you have a gun that came off the shelf, like a Ruger 5.56 sure. and have a P-Sport 2, um, you know, it, it really would behoove you to uh, to rebarrel and get into something with a little bit better. Uh, well, performance i'd say shoot it shoot it dude like shoot out shoot the barrel man and then do it you know or i don't know i like i see pros and cons to both Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day let's be real most people are not accurate enough shooters to actually maximize even stock barrels some people might some people might get mad about me about that or at me about that but like a lot of us are probably better shooters in our head than we are in real life so like i see arguments sure but also like fiscally responsible. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Shoot it. Maybe get a couple rounds through it, beat it up a little bit, and then rebarrel it, or just full send it. You know? Yeah. Because well, that's my my argument too is like the money you'll spend upgrading stuff. Maybe you squirrel that away, and then after you've outshot the Smith, you jump up to like a BCM, or say you save up a little more and get to like just a higher manufactured gun. Keep the that's Smith. That's true too. Keep the Smith, you know, maybe, maybe rebarrel it later, but then you have two, right? Entry mm-hmm. level, mid tier. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's a bunch of different routes to go. So again, at the end of the day, do what you want. What makes <laughs> you happy? Do it. Well, and that's why right now I'm starting to set money aside. I really, ooh, when we hit Black Friday, it might, ugh, I really want to get a night vision. Like I really okay. want to get a night vision. Um, okay. I, I'm really considering picking up a PVS 14. Cool. We're tonight. we're writing night vision content right now. So, oh god, damn, it's not gonna help. That's oh, gonna dude, help. <laughs> dude. Uh, which you know we we can talk offline about that. I might be able to hook you up um with some stuff. Um, I I hope by the time this is out, who knows when our video will be released, whatever, but I'm, I'm going to start selling night vision for this company that we're doing some media for. So oh, cool. That's gotta yeah, be, just, it's gotta uh, be cool interactions, like working with people in the industry like that on the, the media side of you. Know what I mean, cause I feel like yeah. in a sales role, it's always so it's, you know, like when I used to sell investments, when I worked at a, yeah. at a bank, right. It was, it was cool interacting with, you know, like investment wholesalers and stuff but it was always one dimensional, right? They just wanted to sell the product, like selling quotations, right? Sell the product to you so that you bought into it and then you would sell the product to your customers and they would, you know, if 
you're selling it, then they make money and the company makes money. And it's just like a one dimensional relationship. But I feel like there's just so much more room for collaboration and working with people and getting to know people, Yep. you know, in the media space. And it's not driven by dollars necessarily. You know what I mean? Like that's gotta be just an awesome experience. Yeah. It's, it's experience and connections and people like, you know, this, this company that I'm going to do it for high end armament technology is like one of the big dogs in night vision sales. So like other companies will buy from them and then, and then say like they sell and they also sell it themselves. So like, you know, they'll set up dealers and all this stuff. Anyways. Yeah. They've got above and beyond for us. Uh, I know them through CGS stuff. And so syndicate is going to do content. I met these guys through CGS. So we're going to run CGS stuff and then high-end armament gets media from it. And then I'm going to sell for them also. So like, we don't do this often. Um, but like everyone wins in the situation, there's a collaboration here. And the trade-off is like, Hey, we're going to run your night vision. Let us use it, run it, shoot with it, build the content for you guys. We also get content out of it. And like, it's a whole collaborative effort. And like, yeah. I, I think, like you said, there's enough pie for everyone to work together. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think you, when you get to that point, when you're starting to look into things like suppressors, sure, you start looking at things like nods and then you kind of everybody right in their brain, I feel like kind of gets that point where you start, you get to that point and you like back up like, whoa, 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 what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I looking at dropping? Like, like my card hasn't, my car didn't cost this much. And it's like, yeah, well, here's the thing not necessarily like, I can't help you justify spending the money. Like that's an sure. internal thing. Like, everyone's got to fucking deal with that shit. And, yep. but when you're talking about justification from a use case point, it all comes down ultimately. Cause that's the questions I get from people. Like, well, why did you buy a suppressor? Uh, why do you have a helmet? I'm like, so I can eventually put nods on it. Yeah. Why do you want to do that? It's like, well, signature reduction. Like you want, you have this gear to be well-prepared to defend your home, to defend other people, you know, whatever have you playing in the dark is cool. I think, you know, I'll find out eventually here. Right. Um, but we are, cool. <laughs> like, everyone runs white light. Why? Because you got to be able to see what you're trying to shoot. Sure. But the downside is that, well, then they can see you too. Yeah. Right. So, okay. What's the first thing I can do in signature reduction? Well, the first thing would be a flash hider. Yeah. Cut down that fireball go down the rabbit hole. Yep. You can't, you can't do a ton about the noise, but at least if it's a smaller, it's on a giant fireball, like a fucking dragon just opened up, you know, the muzzle break or something. Okay. Step one, step two, get a suppressor. It's going to make it quieter. And after that first shot, you're hopefully going to get even reduced further that signature. Sure. Okay. What can I do next? Night vision. So then you, you know, no more white light, you know, almost invisible to the standard person, and you know ir lasers and all that good shit it's like an escalation of uh preparedness i guess i i I don't know but people don't look at it that way and i think and then once i explain that shit to them they're like oh okay i guess that makes sense and they still think i'm crazy but at least like i can justify it so fuck them yeah (laughs) yeah well and like the whole other side of it too is because i fucking want to Mm -hmm. it's that simple like Dude, one of my favorite, two favorite things like shooting, especially deeper into the shooting community rabbit hole that I've gotten, like when people shoot suppressors for the first time and the grin on their face is like, 
dude, I, it sounds cheesy. Trust me. I get it. But no, I, I remember looking around when I shot mine the first time to see if anybody was staring at me. Cause like, yeah, I dude, honestly cool. wish, yeah, I wish I had brought somebody with me. Cause I was like, yeah. this is cool. I wish somebody would have taken a picture of my face. Like, no, nope. at least for me, like I was all super, and I think we talked about this too. I was so afraid that first round or even the first, like two, three was going to like, I was going to hit a, um, baffle strike yeah. yeah i was so scared and like i went out and I, I bought a whole new cleaning kit with like a copper cleaning rod that was like nice and long so i could like check for concentricity and everything and like it was good like no problems yeah. you know i'm like all right still still scared right i was like no 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 no, no. it could still happen um but after i got first through those first two three rounds i was like man this is just fucking awesome like this is yeah and i wasn't doing anything other than trying to like you know, confirm yeah. zero yeah. and just, yeah. just shoot it and get some rounds in. And it was so badass. And then, and then I encountered, uh, I think I, uh, I didn't bring anything with me to take the can off. So, uh, I sat there for about 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then I put it in my rifle bag. And then by the time I got home, it was only about a 10 minute drive home. Um, it didn't melt the, like the thin nylon-y like cloth, but it melted the, or deformed, uh, like the foam inside of my bag. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, God damn it. So then like, I started keeping li- literally an oven mitt in my, yeah. <laughs> in my range bag for a minute. Um, and then I think you were the one that turned me on to that, uh, the jalapeno dude. Yeah, dude. That like, yep. s- that, like rifle scabbard, uh, with dude, like super heat. Dude, yeah. it, it really is nice and it's easy to use. And it's so much cheaper than, you know, like the, the muzzle or the, the suppressor wraps and everything yeah. like 60 bucks. No problem. I think it came in like three days. It was super fast. Yep. Uh, I really like it. Like it's, yeah. it's super cool. And it just, you throw the rifle in there, throw it in the bag. Good to go. No problems. Yeah. And like back circling back, my second favorite thing is when people shoot night vision and yeah. they put it on when people look through night vision for the first time, everyone goes and looks at the stars. Cause dude, you see stuff that you can't see with the naked eye. Like if conditions are good, there's no light pollution. I took my wife out uh, for our anniversary. We went to this observatory up in Flagstaff, a couple hours North of me. Oh, cool. Um, and we were looking at stars with these massive scientific telescopes. Like we could see the rings around Jupiter, some cool shit. Right. Damn. And I'm like, I'm like, we're going to go out of the city now and I'm going to let you look through night vision for the first time. And I promise you it will be better than this. And she's, oh, she's, like, no. she's, she's never like, looked through nods. No, no, dude. She's like, no way. That's there. That's not possible. And I'm like, okay, dude, we go out and I get us outside of the city. No light pollution. We're at like 6,000 feet. And I, I, I got a very nice set. Again, I'm writing content. There's been no money exchange. It's an exchange of services. These go back when I'm done writing content, but I got 1531s, which are like premier white phosphorus night vision, right? They're really not bad. Yeah. Oh, dude. So she put <laughs> yeah. them on and she's like, instantly, she's like, yeah, this is better than those stupid telescopes. And I'm like, dude, like, stupid telescopes. <laughs> We could see the entire Milky Way, dude. Like as far as your head would go back, you could see the Milky Way. Like, oh man, it's it's cool. Night vision is like, and here's the cool thing. I'm I'm being honest because I have one here, a PBS 14 green. Mm-hmm. Even that entry level right now, you can get them for like three to five grand, right? Even a white mm-hmm. Foss monotube, five grand. 
that is still able to see in the fucking dark and is just as cool. Like a green yep. mono PVS 14 is just as cool as the quad tubes. Cause guess what? You get to see in the dark, dude. Like it's Honestly, a superpower, super, dude. I'm super excited to hopefully get to that point. And yeah. honestly, the thing that's like really, I want to get a late, like you got to get a laser, right? Like, yeah. It just looks cooler on the rifle, right? Like you got to have, you know, like a, a PEC 15 or uh, was that a D ball? Yep, you know, D-ball. you got to have the laser on there. And I, I know people are going to say, well, if you're really budget conscious, you can passive aim, you know, just turn your EOTech down really, really dim. Nope. I'm like, uh, you know, that's not just, the answer at all for multiple reasons. We'll get into it. Finish. No, I, that, I mean, but that was gonna be a thing is like, I, you know, I don't want to passive aim. Like I, I want to have the laser. I want to have all the cool guy shit that like, sure. you know, we all want to have the cool guy shit. But we can. Um, Cause we can. And if passive aiming was, was so acceptable, then more military units and law enforcement would be doing it, you yep. know, cause especially law enforcement, like always comes down to the budget. So you would think they would look at that and go, well, if that's really, I mean, will it work in a pinch? Yes. Which is yeah. definitely different than saying just as good or, yeah, you know, sure. enough to get you by. Like I, you know, and, and I feel like laser technology is actually coming I, there. What is it? The, uh, I think it's Phantom Hill is the one that just yeah. came out with like the all-in-one light laser, um, yep. and, and IR illuminator, uh, and the gen two one, you can actually swap out the heads on it and stuff. Just like yep. and everything. I've heard it's awesome. I have heard, I, I have, I've not seen any reviews on it. I know the first gen left some things to be desired, but people kind of liked it for what it was. Um, yeah. I've heard the Gen 2 is much improved and I really, I want to look into it because I guess the price point is not bad. Yeah. And that's, you know, so we're writing content for budget entry level. Like what's the minimum to get set up? So we're doing D balls with a PVS 14 and then we're going to work all the way up to quad tubes because you can own them as a civilian mm-hmm. and malls and end gals and radexes. We're going to do the whole gamut, dude. I'm I haven't seen quite an in-depth jump in the whole gamut of night vision as far as content. So that's what we're doing. And like, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. There's great things there. I got to take this last weekend, Jamie Caldwell, who's a former uh, special operations guy, but specifically a night vision instructor. And his last job when he was in the military was developing night vision technology at the highest level. So like, this is a subject matter expert full stop. Like he knows everything to know about this stuff. And I got to sit in and learn from him for two days about all of this. And so, uh, like we have to really say again, that'll be really sweet. Oh, we, we have some really cool content coming out with that. I mean, I took, I took six pages of notes during his class. So, so, and I, hopefully, you know, he, he worked where Chris Dutchmore used to work. Uh, hopefully, we can get him on our channel talking about night vision. We had talked about it and like, you know, I want to, I want to do like, because we like to do things big and I like to be a fucking professional. I want to do the most in-depth night vision content currently out there. And so yeah. like we're, I'm working with some really top name dudes and really subject matter experts on this stuff. So I'm excited, man. So, so. with what you've done so far, cause I, I had, had a lot of people like basically on the internet, right. Say that 
the downside to a PVS 14 is that it's a reduced field of view because it's monocular. But then I was looking around on a different company's website and they said, well, this isn't exactly true. Your field of view is exactly the same binocular to monocular. However, you're only looking out of one eye and your brain isn't used to that. So that's why we, we, I, I, I don't want to like butcher what they said, but basically like your field of view is exactly the same. It's just different because of how your brain processes the info until you're, you're used to working through it. Would you say that that's a fair statement? I don't know if you've spent a whole bunch of time between monoculars and binoculars. No, we're good. No, dude, this, are you kidding me? This is like my job and I fucking love it. Um, I was trying to find the specs for that, but like, you know, a monotube, let's say is like 20 degrees field of view. Whatever. I think they, said, they said 40, but okay. Yeah. So 40, there you go. I'm trying to find my number guys. I don't memorize things cause I will forget them, but you know, Man, so say it's 40, when you need them, right. Say it's 40 <laughs> two two tubes is 70 quad tubes is like 90 or something like that. Okay. Okay. So like, no, like one tube, you only have 40 bro. And like, yes, you're still seeing stuff, but it's dark as shit. So are you really seeing stuff? right well not technically no but then if you put on a white light your brain will mirror that image and you'll be able to do both like say you have a white light something's wrong whatever maybe something breaks here's the argument for where the tube goes do you put it on your non-dominant or dominant eye right yeah both yeah i've heard a lot of guys say you should go non-dominant because then you can like you were just saying there between your like what your naked eye, your your dominant eye sees with, with white light or without whatever, right? You know, like yeah. uninhibited, however you want to say it. And then your your non-dominant eye has the the nod and it kind of blends together that way. And then you can still, I don't know any of the scientific terms or any of this shit, but then like, you know what I mean? Like you use your dominant eye, you can still pick up, you know, your EOTech reticle or your red yep. dot or whatever when you, yeah. when you get that gun up. And uh, I just, I, I'm excited to try and, you know, jump into something like that. Cause it's, it's so different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's a legit superpower, bro. Like you get to see in the dark. And so with that, which I do run it on Jamie, again, if anyone wants to argue this, talk to him, don't come at me because he said it. And he's the one I'm going to believe. He said at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Whatever you run the best and is most comfortable for you and makes the mm-hmm. most sense in your head. If you can effectively run it and prove that you can, it doesn't matter then. So like I've always been taught run on the dominant eye because then you could passive aim with that. You could use white light because your brain would mirror it. But again, I see pros to run it on non-dominant. So like at the end of the day, again, Just depends. run whatever you want to run. If you can run it, run it, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm excited for that to come out then. I'm going to have to, yeah. hey, I still have to work through the rest of this HK stuff, but uh mm-hmm. You know, I, I definitely will be, when do you guys have an approximate like goal for when you're going to start releasing that or. Yeah, it'll be. So I go up to film it, um, middle of November, it'll be done being edited, uh, middle beginning to middle of December. So oh, perfect. Right. When I have all my PTO time that I have to use before the end of the year. So I don't lose it. There you go. I'm serious. I, I have like six days I have to use. I have to, otherwise I get to, to January one and they're like, well, they're gone. They don't even pay me yeah. for them. Yeah. They're take a longer Christmas them, so. vacation, bro. That's yeah, awesome. I feel weird because I'm already doing that. I'm taking like we get the day after Christmas off because Christmas is, I think, is like a Sunday this year. So we get that Monday off and then 
I took that Tuesday off too. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, I don't want to take the whole week between Christmas and New Year's off because I work in finance. Everyone takes that week off, which means there ain't shit to do, which means it's easy it to just sit there and I might do it anyways. I might, yeah. I have to, like, I, I'm going to take, I, I know I got time coming at the end of this month, um, you know, for like teaching and stuff, marching band state finals. So I always take like the two days off beforehand. They rent out like a, like an indoor driving range. Nice. They like tape down a football field and their indoor soccer field and they tape down a football football field and they rent the facility for the whole day and get like an eight hour practice in there. That's always really, really cool. Um, so I always make sure I go out and do that one. Uh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. I just gotta get like, God, I gotta, I gotta get some time away from work. It is just, it is sucking the life out of me lately. Um, you know, I took a promotion that I was not in love with, but it was like the right career step. Like I need, I need to learn about this job to go to get where I want to be. And right where I'm at right now is just, it's not, I'm not in love with it. Um, so I just, yeah, I need a little bit of, I need a little bit of a change in pace. You know what I mean? So, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but if it's, you know, good thing is it's on the road to where you want to eventually end up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those things, you know, I mean, it enables me to do things like, you know, do this podcast and buy the stuff I want to buy. And, you know, like I, it's all, it's all good. It's just, you know, stress wears for different things and, uh, you know, like audit responsibilities and stuff like that, that we have going on that, that some of them I'm in charge of, which is new for me. So hey, it's learning it, which can be stressful yeah. when you have anybody, like I'm the only one there that does my job. So there's that piece of it. And then uh, the other part of it is just that you have to like, you know, wrangle a bunch of grown fucking adults into doing their own jobs, um, which can be trying. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. It can be trying. Um, but at any rate, uh Cool. Yeah, man, this has been awesome. Uh, yeah, dude. I, I can't thank you enough. And, uh, you know, I mean, God, you, six months, like it seriously, it doesn't feel like it has been six months. Like I, before we jumped on, I specific, I went back, I looked to find the upload date and I was like, ah, oh, there's no mm-hmm. way it was like Mar. It was like, had to be May or June or something. And it was April the last time that we got together. Dude. And that, I mean, it's bananas. Yeah. With CGS and then syndicate like my concept of time is so skewed because i travel so much now like with cgs then syndicate we went to switzerland and filmed with bnt and oh, then i did see that yeah i saw the the teaser stuff for that yeah yeah and then the week the week and a half before that i was in thailand for 10 days so like it's been a wild six months and like i live a very how blessed was life I just, how was thailand by the way i hear it's beautiful dude if, if you don't make it to Thailand at least once in your life, you've lived a terrible fucking life. Cause it's incredible, man. Like it's how a, the, how it's was a the plane ride though? Oh, like, so 14 <laughs> hours, 15 hours to Japan, eight hours to Bangkok. And like, here's, here's the caveat. The flights are the barrier for entry for an epic adventure. So that's how I look at it. That's how I view it in my head. And it's the toll you have to pay to go on a badass adventure. Cause literally 10 days later, we flew to Switzerland, bro. In the span of like three weeks, I spent like seven days on a fucking plane when you add up the time, you know, like that's horrendous. Not that much. Not that much. It would have been 
three, basically three whole days on a plane. Did you, did you at least spring for like business class? Comfort plus baby. Comfort oh, plus. good. Okay. You, Cause I, I can tell you, I flew to London Yep. Uh, and I did that eight and a half hours there and like nine and change, whatever it was coming back home in economy. No, nope. I didn't pay for it. I did not pay for it. I was actually paid to take the trip and it would've was a paid for it was, upgrade. Would have paid for the upgrade. Not an option. So, um, no, I would have bought a ticket. What about it? So yeah, this was, this was <laughs> years and years ago when I was, uh, I used to perform for the Detroit lions. Oh, cool. Um, so when, right when the NFL started taking teams over to London to play games, they took, uh, us over there, uh, the lions organization, right. We don't have cheerleaders or we didn't at the time have cheerleaders. So they're like, Oh, we'll bring the drum line over. And they gave us all of two weeks notice. So it was like a mad scramble. They, or they like, they set appointments at the passport office to expedite our passports for us. Like here, um, we told us about it Sunday and then they were like, that week they told us Monday or something. They were like, by the way, um, Tuesday and Wednesday this week, we have from like 11 to two, those are times you guys can go to get expedited service. Um, <clears throat> so huh. I went like a Wednesday or something like my, now my wife like picked me up from work. I don't know why we did that, but like picking up from work, I could not find my birth certificate. So, hmm. uh, I wound up leaving work going across town to the city I was born in and get at the city hall, getting two co- yep. copies, you know, as one as a backup, right. Um, of my birth certificate going downtown, doing the passport thing. Like, okay, we're good to rock and roll. Yeah. Till the next week when it was like a random Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm like sitting at my desk at the bank working, whatever. And the guy in charge of the drum line is like, Hey, I need a color photo of your passport by five o'clock today, or you will not be permitted to board the flight. Like that's fucking sick. That is so cool. What the fuck? So again, it's one of the many reasons why I married this woman. She left her job. The other like part of town she was at drove to my parents' house 20 minutes away, took her whole lunch, sitting there eating, waiting for the mail to show up as she was like, all right, I'm at like my drop dead here. Like I I have to be back to work. I have to leave. There's the mailman stopping with the mail. So she grabbed it and took a a picture of it over on, on the phone, sent it over to me. And I was able to get, you know, get that all taken care of. And um, it was cool. They, they did not tell us until we got on the plane that it was a dry flight. So that really sucked because then I didn't sleep the whole flight. I was really going to get hammered on somebody else's dime, (laughs) but I got over there. They put us up in a, like a five-star hotel. Nice. It was outstanding. Uh, They gave us a, they gave us each a envelope full of cash. We got over there. We got like 90 bucks per day, American. Um, per diem just so we weren't like total vagrants you know wandering around but then on top of that we got breakfast and lunch every day because we had like performance engagements during the day so then in the evening basically all we had to pay for was our drinks and our dinner and got to like wander the town we played at the game we were the visiting team so we didn't get to get on the field but we had like seats uh like row 10 on like the 45 yard line it was so awesome then we took a red eye coming home and again, went to the airport and because it was so fucking late, all the places were closed. So I couldn't get hammered before that flight home either. Um, but they flew us on a flight there and back was a privately chartered flight just for like team, uh, uh, like players, families and like, ex- like high level, like season ticket holders and stuff. So we got yeah. shoved 
all the way in the back, you know, I'm six, three, you know, I, I did my buddy, Nick, that was with us on the trip. He's like six, five. Yeah. And we were just, we were hating life, man. It was so that those plane flights, God, man, miserable. It's yeah, dude, with your knees and your chest for eight hours. Like I, I remember I told my mom when I got home, she thought it was hilarious. I got up and I went and sat in the bathroom for 20 minutes to stretch my legs. Dude, I did when I was uh, 17, I did 15 and a half. I think it was 15 and a half or 16 hours to China economy. Middle seat of five. No. Rough. Again, here's my view on it, bro. Because maybe it just keeps me from wanting to kill myself. It's the barrier for entry for an epic adventure. You got to pay the toll. Yeah. Well, now that I'm an adult, I will literally pay the toll by buying better seats. And, (laughs) you know, like the aisle seat with bathroom access and, you know, free snacks. But, yeah. yeah. But at any rate, man, um, this has been awesome. Catching up. Uh, Happy to catch up. It's always a good time. Uh, and uh, we'll be in touch. You know, we got the holidays coming up and everything, but uh, we'll do this again really, really soon, man. I actually will end on, I want to link you with another podcast and have you guys co-pollinate, whatever you want to call it. Cross-pollinate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Cross-pollinate, that, that thing. Touch tips yep. or something. Yeah. We'll so it, it's, uh, yeah, it's called the gun experiment. I've told them about you. I mentioned your podcast on their podcast. Uh, my episode with them just came out today, but they're two oh, dudes nice. in New York. They're a, they're a co-team like Jake and I, but uh, Mike and Keith over there and they, uh, they put on a gun podcast behind enemy lines in New York. So oh, wow, like doing yeah. it like really real. Oh dude. Yeah. So I'll, I'll link you guys and I'd love for you to get on there and them to come on to yours. Like, I think it'd be a good fit. They're good dudes. Absolutely, man. We'll, uh, we'll chat offline on it. Cool, brother. Sounds good. All right, man. Thanks. So there it is. That was my conversation with, uh, with Chris from 1911 syndicate and CGS suppressors. Obviously we, we hit on a whole bunch of stuff aside from, uh, from shooting you know, talking about his H and K project and the the photo and video work that goes into everything that 1911 Syndicate does, all the way on over to to life and uh, you know, happy wife, happy life, and and you know, all of that stuff. And I think that that's honestly one of the reasons why I enjoy chatting with Chris so much. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we just have a whole hell of a lot in common, and there's just it's it's always an interesting chat. It never ever boring or short of excitement. And I, you know, I thank him up and down for coming on and just a great dude. I've said it a couple of times, you know, uh, I've certainly said it in our other podcasts, but if you guys aren't checking out what 1911 syndicate is doing on YouTube, you really should go over there and take a look. Uh, they, they cover all kinds of different stuff, guys. If you're looking for a sling or, you know, plate carriers or, buying different firearms. I mean, just anything and everything and all kinds of stuff in between. They do informative reviews and they're all about sharing information and, and their passion for all of these things. That same passion that brings all of us together, uh, through, through things like this podcast, uh, through seeking out this knowledge and this data and everything, you know, that's, that's what Jake and Chris and, and Buster and Crispy and all those, that's what they do, you know, uh, and they do it really well. You know, I think in a, in a day and age where 
production quality kind of rules the day, I would definitely say those guys are right near the top. Very organized, very, very well done, very smart guys and very genuine people out there. Not to make a buck, you know, we see a lot of gun tubers out there that will sell you anything to make a nickel. <laughs> and that's not what they do. You know, they, they're very upfront and honest about that. And additionally, they do a lot of good work as, as realtors, which I don't think we really talked about on this podcast. We certainly have in others, but, um, they also are realtors and that's how they kind of came together and really what 1911 syndicate does and, uh, help people that want to move and they work with military families and all kinds of good stuff. So I, I really do. I encourage you guys to check them out. Uh, you know, watch some of their videos. There's that whole series on H and K videos, which really worth diving into. If you haven't, uh, if you don't know much about H and K firearms, don't, don't be ignorant, uh, and just hate the company cause they don't sell to civilians or they're hard to get or whatever. Uh, maybe some additional understanding might help as well as just be educated, man. Like the more, you know, the, the more dangerous you are, right. Knowledge is power and all that good stuff, which we don't even have to go down into, you know, into all that stuff. I just had that thought and then immediately retracted it. Uh, but but be well-informed and be well-read. Um, you know, at any rate, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. It's one of those just salty, you know, down-to-earth convos that, you know, you don't always have with folks. And uh, certainly, isn't it, it's not necessarily the norm here, but I'm just happy to do it and happy to have the opportunity to connect with people like Chris through this, this project and this podcast. Met some very, very genuine folks and, and continue to meet some just amazing individuals who do unbelievable things and have done, you know, uh, unbelievable things and, uh, want to share their knowledge and experience with folks. So I, I count myself as blessed and I want to keep doing more to bring, uh, that those experiences to all of you. So I appreciate the support. I appreciate you guys hanging around. Uh, I've gotten several messages over the past couple of weeks telling me how much people appreciate what I'm doing and, and the podcast and how much they've learned and stuff. So, uh, it's working. You know, and I, I, I really love hearing that stuff. So uh, thank you all for your 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 patronage and, and your time and, and listening to me rant and rave about uh, all this stuff. But at any rate, you know, that's, that's what I got for you guys until next week. Uh, we'll have more then. But until then, like we always say here, get out there, work hard, train smarter, and as always, be prepared. 